0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. It's be a great day, man. Share this. Uh, something really hit me. Um, when I was just meditating on this study and, you know, we look through the New Testament and um, we, we see how influential, how impactful the apostle Paul was and all that he accomplished for the Lord. Of course, God called him, Jesus appeared to him. Um, he even says, you know, as if one uh, called out of time, you know, he was, he was not one of the hand-picked original apostles of the lamb but Jesus did hand him came to him later after the resurrection and ascension and we see how powerful Paul was I mean he was powerful impactful and um you know wrote close to what two-thirds of the New Testament saw these churches planted all through Asia Minor all these three missionary journeys we know all about his life I mean he was a, a central character of the new Testament. And so I think sometimes we look at Paul and we think to ourselves that, you know, there's, there's no way that we could ever, you know, be as impactful as the apostle Paul. There's no way that we could really, uh, do, uh, amazing things for the kingdom. I mean, he was the guy, but I mean, if you want to really think about it, there's already been a ton of people that have done more than the apostle Paul outside of writing the Bible, uh, in ministry wise, there's already been a ton of people that have done more than he did um, as far as the quantity and impact for the, for the kingdom of God. There's my friend, Jonathan Farias. Love you, buddy. But I'm talking about the overall lifestyle. How can you look at the life of the Apostle Paul? And this is very, very important because every believer really is called to make an impact. If you have watched this uh, broadcast for any period of time, we're always pushing you to go deeper, make a greater impact, go harder for the kingdom, you know, don't lay back, don't put it on cruise control, but go as hard as you can, Jesus coming back very soon. So how do you do it? How do you look at a man like the Apostle Paul and say to myself, well, how, how can I uh, be as impactful uh, as he was? How can I, hey, Matt, good to see you, bud. How can I make sure that my life is never in that place where I'm just kind of coasting or drifting? What was it? What I really want to do, I mean, we look at the Apostle Paul's life and we understand that he did go hard. He made an impact. He was influential. But if we broke it down, and that's what we're doing in the broadcast today, if we broke his life down, what would it be about the Apostle Paul's life that made him that impactful? Hey, Mandy, what would it be about his life that caused him to excel the way he did? And then can we use those same things to excel in the same way that he did? And I believe we can. And that's why today on the broadcast, I'm going to show you, we're going to break his life down and look at some things uh, that would give us a hint as to how we can be as productive, as impactful as the apostle Paul. Some people might think that's out of reach. It's not out of reach. Uh, In fact, God wants every believer to make an impact in the kingdom. And you're one of them. And as I say often on the broadcast. You are anointed. You've got the power of God flowing through you. You have a purpose. You've got an anointing. You've got a design from God. There's nothing you can't do. Nothing you can't do. And so I want to give you these today. We're going to break it down. What can you be doing? What can you be doing constantly uh, emulating the Apostle Paul, which by the way, was his desire. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 1, What did he say? He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Um, That last part, obviously very important. As I follow Christ. It's not like follow me off a bridge or follow me into the depths of sin. As you see me following Christ, continue to follow me. If I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. That's the whole point here. Uh, The ESV says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. The Holy Spirit put that in the inspired word of God, the Bible. And it's it's something he was saying to the Corinthians, but it's something we can do as well. We can imitate the life of Paul. We can imitate his disciplines, his habits, and those same disciplines and habits will cause us to excel just like he did. So take a minute, listen. This is important today. Take a minute, share this broadcast, and let's get into this because one of the things that we're going to see happen, if we want to see revival take place, if we want to see God's Spirit move truly, it's going to come from hungry believers that are literally pressing into the kingdom with everything they've got, not laying back, not these people that are like the uh, what we're seeing now the uh you know once every five weeks attenders of church the people that aren't really oh I'm sold out to God brother no they attend church every once every five weeks I'm not talking about those I'm talking about those of you like those that watch the victory tribe those that are pressed in what can we do? how can we imitate the life of Paul to ensure that we will be as impactful as he is well I'm going to start with you in first Corinthians. Let's go back two chapters to the ninth chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to read you verses 24 through 27. If you're taking notes, put it in the notes. 1 Corinthians chapter nine, verses 24 through 27. Don't miss this one. And this is the first thing that we can imitate from the apostle Paul that will allow us Uh, to be impactful in the way that he was, to be productive in the way that he was. Uh, This is the first habit, if you will. Breaking down the habits of the Apostle Paul. What's the first one? Well, let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete, exercises self-control in all things. They do not receive, they do it to receive a perishable wreath. But for us, we receive an imperishable wreath. So I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after having preached to others, I should be disqualified. Hey, Robin, good to see you on today. Hey, Tracy and Jeanette. So here's habit number one. If you want to emulate the apostle Paul, if you want to see his same production impact in the kingdom, what did he say was number one? I discipline my body on a daily basis, so making it do what it should. One translation says, he says, keeping it under control. Uh, one translation says, or the actual Greek language, I pummel my body and make it a slave. Think about that. I make it a slave. I make it do what it should. I make it do what it should so that after having preached to others, I won't become disqualified. The reason Paul did this. So number one, if you're putting the comments, put this in the number one way to emulate the apostle Paul and to be productive and to be impactful is to discipline your flesh. Put it in the comments. Number one, discipline your flesh. That's number one. It's absolutely number one. It's baseline discipline, your flesh. And he said that he said, I do it on a daily basis on a daily basis. Why? Well, Paul had an understanding that it is the flesh that is actually at war with your spirit. If you didn't understand that, uh, he speaks in his letter to the Galatians and he says to them in Galatians chapter five, And verse number 17, that the flesh is constantly at war with the spirit. I'm sure you've read that before, but it's good for us to look at it again. The flesh is constantly at war with the spirit. Doesn't want it to be able to do what it should do. You see what I mean? Doesn't want it to be able to do what it should. Well why? Because the flesh loves the things of the flesh, whereas the spirit loves the things of the spirit and wants to please God. But do you realize even Paul taught this? there was a constant war going on in his members. he said, I want to do what pleases the Lord, but my flesh won't let me. And so if we don't if we don't ever see this, we'll miss everything else that God wants to do in our lives. Literally, we'll miss everything else. Because if you can't get past the flesh, you'll never do any of the things that please the Lord. That's the what the reason I started with this point is because it is the baseline. If you don't discipline the flesh, you will never do anything that pleases the Lord. And so what did Paul say? He said I discipline my flesh on a daily basis so that after having preached to others, I will never become a castaway or one translation actually says a reprobate. Can you imagine the apostle Paul becoming a reprobate? I mean, someone that doesn't even serve the Lord, but he said that was possible. He said, if I don't do what's right, if I don't discipline my body, I could become a reprobate. That, that blows my mind. I could become a reprobate. So, and, and here's the key, and I'm going to do what I told you guys to do so that I'm never um, asking you to do something that I personally wouldn't do. I'm going to share the broadcast. Um, shared. Love it. Um, so he says, I discipline my body. Well, if you look at Galatians chapter 5, What is he teaching? He's saying the flesh is constantly at war. So let me explain to you this way. As long as you're saved, I don't care how long you've been saved, 50 years, 70 years. It doesn't matter. As long as you are alive, you will have to take control of that body. You have to have to take control of that body. It will try to rule you. It'll try to run you. Every day, every single day. That's why, you know, it's important to to, um, take times of fasting and prayer throughout your life. Uh, Obviously, you should pray daily. You can't fast daily, obviously, or you would die. But you should take times every week or every month to fast, included with your praying. Why? One of the things that fasting does is it disciplines that body. And tells it to be quiet. Tells it uh, it's not going to be in control of you. That you're in control of it. You know, it's interesting that your body is not really the tr- truly who you are. Your body is not the real you. Um, if you read what he said in First Corinthians nine twenty-seven, didn't you find it interesting that Paul said, "I discipline my body," so he didn't consider his body to be the real him. He said, I, the real me, who is it? The spirit man. The real you is your spirit man. In fact, that's so important for everybody to understand. I would ask you to put it in the comments. My spirit is the real me. My spirit is the real me. That's the eternal part of you. My spirit is the real me. And Paul said, I discipline my body and keep it under control. So understanding that he can't even please the Lord. He can't even please the Lord without um, disciplining his flesh. Otherwise, the flesh will fight against the spirit. And then what will happen? You'll lose every spiritual battle. If you don't control the flesh and your flesh leads you forward, you'll lose every battle because there's nothing good. In fact, if I took you to Romans chapter seven, what does Paul say to the Roman church in the seventh chapter. He said, there is nothing good in my flesh. There's Alessia from Italy. Ciao. Come sta? Um, There's nothing good in my flesh. Nothing. Your flesh is literally uh, not only just carnal, it's unregenerated. (laughs) <laughs> just, just, that's the whole reason that Christ is going to have to glorify your body. You know, when Christ comes back, the dead in Christ shall rise. Those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. What, What's the purpose of the dead in Christ rising? Aren't they already in heaven? Yes, their spirits are in heaven, but God promised to glorify our bodies just like Jesus' body was glorified. Our bodies now are carnal. They are literally fleshly. They are Uh, They desire the things of the flesh. They desire what's wicked and you've got to discipline your body and keep it under control. Otherwise, it will win the war against your spirit and you'll fail. But when you're doing that, what ends up happening is if you win the battle with your spirit man, then your spirit man is in control of your decisions, your thoughts, your life, your words, and then you're victorious. Like Paul was victorious. You're victorious in all things. That's why he had so much to say about how to conduct yourself, set your mind on things above. You know, you go through the whole list of all the things that Paul began to teach. He was teaching the believers how to win the war against their flesh. He was teaching believers how to win the war against the temptations of the devil. And it comes through that, what I consider to be the most important fruit of the spirit that there is self-control. You see, but brother Ted, I thought Paul taught that out of faith, hope, and love, the only three eternal, uh, characteristics, the greatest of these is love. So if love is the greatest, why would you say self-control is the greatest? The reason is because all of the fruit of the spirit are choices. And if you don't have self-control in place, none of the other fruit of the spirit will be activated You guys know as well as I do, it takes, uh, uh, it literally takes discipline, a fruit of the spirit of self-control just to walk in love towards some people. Some people you just feel like smacking them, not walking in love. You know it takes control to walk in love in all situations. And so the reason I say that, it's almost like self-control is the guardian of the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, I'd like you to write that in the comments. I mean, that's not a scripture. I'm telling you that is my opinion. Self-control is the guardian of the fruit of the Spirit. Put that in the comments. Hey, Messiah. Love you, buddy. Self-control is the guardian of the fruit of the spirit. Why? Because without it, you won't do any of the other eight. You won't do any of the other eight. You won't walk in love. You won't walk in joy when you got things going on. You won't walk in peace that passes all understanding because you'll look at what's happening in the natural realm, make your decisions and thoughts and words based on that. Self-control is the guardian of the fruit of the spirit. And so, one of the things that I want you to see today is Paul so heavily emphasized this in his letters, not just this one, in his, all of his letters, he emphasized taking control of the flesh and allowing the spirit to lead. So number one, if we're going to do it, like Paul did it, we have to have to discipline the flesh, make it do what it should. Number two, If we want to excel like Paul did, if we want to make impact like Paul did, go with me just about four chapters forward, five chapters forward to um, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and he's teaching the believers about, in context here, prophecy and speaking in tongues prophecy, and speaking in tongues. Now, the the second thing that this doesn't just mirror the apostle Paul, this mirrors Jesus Christ himself and his example. After you've disciplined that flesh, the second thing we want to look at from Paul's life that will make you like him, that'll make you excel like him is prayer, powerful prayer. But I I want to pull something out of Paul's life Uh, and teach you why it's so vital and why you need to be doing it all the time, all the time. Look at this. First Corinthians 14. um, He says, I'm gonna start with verse one, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy for one who's, and he, let me, let me stop here and pause for a moment. He's speaking to the, to the believers here in the context of, of a public church service, not in their own personal lives. This part of the letter that you're reading is in context of what should take place in a public church service. And the reason he's emphasizing uh, prophecy over speaking in tongues, as you'll see, I'm going to read it to you, is that so everybody in the church service can be built up by what God's saying. Because if you only spoke in tongues... With no interpretation, nobody would know what you are talking about. And the Bible says their understanding would be unfruitful. But look at this. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Now look at verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, verse five, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Catch what he's saying here. This is in context of a church service, but now go down to verse 18 And look what he, and look what he says. Verse 18, he said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you do. (laughs) So the second thing I want you to see is not just prayer, but praying in the spirit. Paul, by his own admission, said that he prays in tongues all the time. I pray in tongues more than all of you do more than all of you do. And notice this, he said, not only is uh, tongues assigned to the unbeliever, but it builds up the one who's doing it. It actually stirs up the one who's doing it. Of course, we can look at Jude verse 20 and know that the Bible says, but ye beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy ghost. So you can literally build yourself up in your faith. And you can stir yourself up by praying in the Holy ghost. Now it's interesting that when you come together, uh, the Bible says, Paul, Paul said this, he said, I will, I'll go back and show it to you. He said, so what will I do? He said, I, this is verse 15. If you're reading with me, verse 15. So what will I do? Paul said, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. When he says, I'll sing with my mind or pray with my mind, that means that he will pray and sing in his known language. That's what he was talking about. I'll pray and sing in my known language. But when he said, I'll pray and sing with my spirit, that means in tongues. In context of the chapter, he's talking about in tongues versus in his known language. And so what is Paul saying? First of all, I speak in tongue. Number one, I want all of you to speak in tongues. Number two, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And number three, I will pray in my spirit and with my understanding. So Paul is teaching these baby believers. And by the way, that's what the Corinthian church was, baby believers, immature believers. He's teaching them that uh, not only do I want you to speak in tongues, look at my model. Look at my lifestyle. Remember, it was only three chapters before this that he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me. Imitate me. So he wanted them to look at his life like a cheat sheet and and start to do what he did. And so why is he telling them that? To brag? No, he's not bragging. He's giving them insight into his life so that they can imitate him and what he does. And he said, I speak in tongues more than all of you do. So imitate me. Speak in tongues all the time. Pray with your spirit. Pray with your understanding. So I don't think you should only pray in tongues. You should pray in English or whatever your uh, natural language is. But you shouldn't just pray in English. You should pray in the spirit, Paul said. And if you want to be impactful, you know, I was listening to, um, well, actually my friend, Pastor Brian Wright went over to Nigeria, I believe last year and uh, was able to meet with some powerful men of God while he was there. And he actually had an opportunity to sit down with and speak with pastor Enoch Ataboye, And he did this for me. The question that I always ask, uh, men of God, powerful men of God, um, what would you tell younger ministers? And pastor Ataboye said that no preacher, no minister should stand in the pulpit to preach without having prayed in the Holy Ghost for at least an hour. That was his answer. Think about it. He said, no minister should stand in the pulpit to preach without having prayed in the Holy Ghost for at least an hour. This seems to be a common thread through any, not just you know, Paul and the apostles and others, but early church, not just that, but even men of God today that are powerful men of God. You, you see, it, it seems to be all these powerful men of God are men who pray in the spirit. You look back uh, through the last, however many years you want to look of men that have shaken the world, shaken the world with their lives and ministries. Uh, You think about T.L. Osborne, Lester Sumrall, A.A. Allen, Kenneth Hagin. You think about, I mean, any of these. You get Reinhard Bonnke, uh, my father, uh, Rodney Howard Brown. I mean, you go through any of these. You know who you're going to find? They pray in the spirit. (laughs) They pray in tongues. They build up their most holy faith. They're sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Anybody you want to go back and look through that has shaken the world with their life and ministry. Love you, Brandon. They've shaken the world, but what, what, what do they do in their own personal dedication? They're praying in the Holy Ghost. Brother Shambach, pray in the Holy Ghost. You go all through any man of God, Bishop Oyedepo, Pastor Adeboye, all of them. Dag Hayward Mills, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Why? It's God's gift to the believer. It's a heavenly language. It builds up your faith and gets it ready for action. It stirs you up in your spirit, edifies you. The Bible says in first Corinthians 14, it edifies you. And so if you want one of the things, if you want to emulate the productivity and the excellence and the impact of the apostle Paul, you've got to be not just a person who disciplines the flesh, but a person who prays in the Holy ghost. You've got to pray in the Holy ghost. You know, it's, it's, It's something that you cannot do without something you cannot do without. And by the way, it's not just for being in a church service and then somebody gets up and gives the interpretation after you speak in tongues. That's, that's the gift of the spirit tongues and interpretation, but there is tongues as a personal prayer language. Let me ask you the question on the day of Pentecost, when they all 120 began to speak with other tongues, who interpreted them? God did because everybody that was listening heard what they said in their own language, but no believers stood up and interpreted in acts chapter eight, when they were all filled with the Holy ghost who, who interpreted in acts chapter eight, nobody in acts chapter 10, when they were at Cornelius's house and they all got filled with the Holy ghost first Gentile family to be filled with the Holy ghost. And they all started speaking in tongues who, who interpreted then nobody acts chapter 19. Paul goes to Ephesus finds 12 men, They get saved. He lays hands on them. They get filled with the Holy Ghost. They start speaking in tongues. Who interpreted then? Nobody. See, people read this 1 Corinthians 14, and then they start uh, going real hard on everybody that speaks in tongues in church. They say, well, you, you better stay silent unless there's an interpretation. That's just if you're giving a word to the body in tongues. That's what Paul's talking about in context. He's not talking about the personal prayer language. He said... I speak in tongues more than all of you do. He didn't say I speak in tongues and interpret more than all of you. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And so it's a personal prayer language, but also a gift of the spirit to edify the body of Christ in a public setting. But if you're by yourself, you know, unless the Lord, for some reason, like you're giving yourself a word and the Lord gives you the interpretation of what you prayed out, then it's just a personal prayer language in the Holy Spirit. Paul said, I'll pray with my spirit, and I'll pray pray with my mind also. He does both, and both need to be done. And if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, hey, Zach, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you should seek that gift. It's for every believer, not some. It's for all. It's for all. That is the pattern of the book of Acts. God never picked and chose who uh, he was going to fill with the Holy Spirit. Never. Never. In fact, you look at the 120 in the upper room, every single one of them that was there to receive got it. Every single person, Peter and John laid hands on in Acts chapter 8, every single one of them got it. All that were there in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius's house, got it. All 12 men Paul laid hands on in Ephesus, got it. There, there was never a time in the book of Acts where the Lord picked and chose who got the Holy Ghost with tongues and who didn't. You know, when you look at the 120, it wasn't like 40 of them got tongues and the rest of them just got the fruit of the Spirit. No, they all spoke with tongues. It's a desire for every, of God, for every believer on the earth. Every believer. Every believer. So I want you to understand this. If you're going to be impactful like Paul, number one, you don't just have to discipline your flesh. But number two, you've got to pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. It'll make you sensitive to the Spirit of God. I did an article in one of our Miracle Word magazines one time, 10 benefits of praying in tongues, 10 supernatural benefits, things that the Bible says actually happens when you pray in tongues. And you've got to be doing it, constantly doing it i becoming sensitive to the Holy Ghost. See, if we are not, and this, this leads me to number three if you want to emulate Paul's life. Discipline your flesh, pray in tongues, but number three, the third thing if you want to emulate Paul, be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit of God. You've got to be led by the Spirit in everyday life. Everyday life. There'll be things The Lord will speak to you to do. It doesn't even seem like, why would I do that? He's leading you. He's leading you. He's guiding you, telling you and teaching you what to do. The Holy Spirit teaches you all things. Be led. Paul said to the Roman church, Romans chapter eight, verse 14, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So the children of God should always be led by God's spirit. Always. Always. You know, everything that we've ever felt to do in our ministry, in our life, I've had to be led by the Spirit of God. I've done a lot of things that didn't make sense, to be honest with you. I've done a bunch of things that didn't make sense. You know, when I was in Bible, I was called to be, I've been called to be an evangelist since I was five years old. Five years old. Knew what I was supposed to do. And when I went to Bible school and was coming out of Bible school, I was fasting and praying in February of 2003 and the Lord spoke to me to move from West Virginia to Virginia Beach, Virginia, uh, to help my uncle, pastor Terry Shuttlesworth plant the church that he planted there. And, um, I thought to myself, why would I go and become an associate pastor when I know I'm called to be an evangelist? That doesn't make sense. Makes no sense. However, it's what the Holy Ghost was telling me to do. I fasted and prayed. I didn't take it lightly. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for Winter Bible Seminar, February last year. Brother Hagen, uh, did it, I believe. And I'm praying and fasting, and the Lord's speaking. The Lord's speaking, and uh, told me very clearly: move to Virginia Beach, help your uncle uh, as he builds the church. And, uh, that's where you're supposed that's your next assignment. Well, you know, I could have just said, well, no, I'm an evangelist. I'm going to start traveling, preaching. I'm going to travel and preach. I'm not doing that. I'd have been out of the will of God. I'd have missed it. Never would have met Carolyn. Never would have married her. All the blessings God's given me, all the things that I received in impartation from my uncle, all the blessings, everything would have missed it because it wasn't God's will. But when I obeyed as well, even when it didn't look like it was, I mean, it didn't make sense. Didn't make sense. I'm an evangelist. Of course, I'm evangelizing now, but everything's in the timing of God. And so I did what the Lord said to do, and it was the right move. It's always the right move to be led by the Spirit. I want you to write that in the comments section. Every person that's watching, if there's anything I could impart to the body of Christ on at large today, it would be be led by the Spirit of God. Be led by the Spirit of God. Put it in the comments it's never a mistake to be led by the spirit of God. Amen. Yeah. Got to be with my, my, my cousins as they were growing up. So uh, you understand this. It's never a mistake. You'll never make a mistake being led by the spirit of God ever. It's always a right move to be led by the spirit of God. Don't ever take it for granted. The fact that we have the ability to hear from the Holy ghost it's always the right move. Somebody put it in the comment section. You can never make a mistake being led by the Spirit of God. Never. It's always the right move to be led by the Spirit of God. So understand this. Paul was led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. I mean, even when I, when I moved to Florida a few years ago, I had no reason to go to Florida. I mean, I want you to think about that. I had no reason to go to Florida. None. No, it's not that I, I didn't move there because I was taking a position. I didn't move there um, because of uh, uh, opportunities opening up. There's no. I'm an event. I travel all over the world. You know, it wasn't going there for an opportunity. I wasn't going there uh, because there was a position. There was no reason to go. I had a beautiful home, and still have it in Virginia. My family's there. Enjoy. I love. I still love Virginia Beach. You know, there was no reason for me to pick a move to Florida other than the Holy Ghost told me to go. That's the only reason I was driving from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to, to Rochester, New York to preach. And as I was driving, I was by myself. I said, I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost for this entire car ride. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. And as I'm praying and praying almost, I was going to do it for the whole ride. However many hours that was, it wasn't the first 10 minutes that went by. And I felt, <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. I feel the anointing. I felt the Holy ghost say to me, it's time for you to move to South Florida. Now that doesn't make sense to your mind. Doesn't make sense, you know, in the natural. And, uh, I said, all right. And I called my wife on the drive and I said, Carolyn, the Lord just spoke to me that we're supposed to move to, uh, South Florida and that God's telling us to do that. And she had to pray herself and get the word of the Lord. And, and we both did and felt the peace. Well, I'm driving after I hung up with my wife, talk about confirmation. I called my friend, uh, Sean Thomas. That's. Our pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas' son, Sean Thomas, who's the executive pastor now. And uh, I said, hey, man, what are you doing? He said, well, we just got out of a meeting where we're talking about the the new year, the word of the Lord, because every year on New Year's Eve, Bishop Rick Thomas delivers the word of the Lord for the church. Uh, Almost like it's the prophetic word of God for abundant life for the upcoming year. The Lord speaks to him and then he delivers the word on New Year's Eve. We stand on that word as a theme throughout the whole year. So he said, I just got out of a meeting with my dad and others for the staff for the word of the Lord that's coming up. I said, oh, really? I said, "Um, what is the, um, and this is no lie. I said, what's the theme? I said, I know, I know you're going to reveal it on New Year's Eve, but tell me. I said, what's the theme for the upcoming year? He said, the theme that the Lord gave my father, he says, just one word. The theme is move. <laughs> <Hallelujah>. <laughs> he said, the theme is move. And that was the theme for their whole year move. And literally as I'm just finishing praying in the Holy ghost and the Lord says to me, move, move down to South Florida. I call, I knew nothing about it. Nothing at all about it. Called him right after I called my wife. I said, what's the theme? He said, the theme is move. I mean, you can't have a more clear confirmation from the Holy Ghost than that. I said, Lord, I hear you. And literally, we put our house up in Virginia for rent, got a Penske truck, packed it up, and moved everything down uh, into South Florida, got a place there renting a house. Then, after we'd been renting a house for a couple of years, Uh, I found this to be very interesting. I'm talking about being led by the spirit of God now, led by the spirit of God. This is point number three of how to have a life like the apostle Paul, make impact like he did. And uh, I started becoming, I wanted to become more healthy. So I started walking well inside of our community, which, which would be like a development. There's five separate neighborhoods in the development. And it was a weird thing because I would always, so I made up my mind to walk like four miles a day and I would walk and pray in the Holy Ghost. And I, I made up my mind I was gonna leave, I'll leave my house, but instead, this was always weird to me. I don't know why I ever did it, other than I guess now I realize I was being led by the Spirit. I would leave my house and I would walk out of my neighborhood. I wouldn't walk my neighborhood. I would walk out of my neighborhood across the main road of the development over into another neighborhood and I would walk that neighborhood I didn't live in that neighborhood but I'd walk it anyway and every day every day I would walk that neighborhood for four miles about an hour in the loop just walking a loop around the neighborhood then I'd walk home and finish my walk at, at the house and I was you know I, at the beginning I thought well that's weird that I, why would I go over to that neighborhood I don't even live in it but then it became my my habit my custom I just did it every day. Well, our house, the, the house we were renting in the other neighborhood, the owner decided he wanted to sell the house. And so we had to, you know, move out. But our only prayer point was this, Lord, we don't want to leave this development. We really, really love this development. And so my wife got on and she looks and finds this house in the development that we live in, but in, in the other neighborhood. And when we looked, there was no for sale sign in the yard. So she just like, literally the Lord led her to that property online. And so she's on like Zillow and finds that house in our, in our, uh, development. But where is it? It's in the neighborhood that I walk every single day, every day. And we go over there and let me tell you about being led by the spirit. God probably had me walk past that house 40 times a day, praying in the Holy ghost hadn't been lived in for two years, beautiful home, beautiful home. And I literally walked past it every day, 40 times, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost. Well, when it was time for God to lead us into a new home that we would own, he led us right there where I'd been praying, walking every day. Let me tell you the miracle of that. If you've never heard it, that when I bought the home, it was an attorney from Miami who owned it. When I bought the home, he, had, he dropped the price over $100,000, over $100,000. And then at the table gave me $15,000 cash at closing. Literally, I took ownership of this home and the man who's selling the home to me basically just put $115,000 in my pocket. And I moved into that home with the equity that God blessed me with. All that from being led by the spirit. One of the, in my opinion, most beautiful home on the block and position better than any home on the block. And I'm going to tell you something. If I would have never listened to the Holy ghost, let me tell you, it's much far better than the house in Virginia beach that I own far better. But let me tell you, if I'd have never listened to the voice of the Holy spirit, I'd have never left Virginia beach. I'd have never gotten to South Florida. I'd have never been blessed with that home. I mean, I, if I sat here and listed all of the blessings that God has poured out on our ministry, now we have, as you know, we've announced, we have the television studio that God gave us uh, completely, no debt on any of it. All the equipment's paid for, the buildings, everything. It's all no debt. All of those things I'd have never had if I would not have been led by the Holy Ghost, if I'd have not been led by the Spirit of God. And how does it come? Praying in tongues praying in tongues, which was point number two. Number one, discipline your flesh. Number two, pray in English and in the Holy Ghost. Number three, be led by the spirit. Be led by the spirit of God. Amen. Be led by the spirit of God. It's amazing what the Lord will lead you to do when you hear his voice and you can follow his directions. He'll bless you so abundantly. That's why the Bible says, I quote it all the time for anybody that's listening. All the time. Isaiah 48, 17. If you, uh, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, leads you in the way that you should go. Isaiah 119. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. I am literally eating the good of the land today. My wife, my children are eating the good of the land. Why? We've just been willing We've just been obedient. That's all you have to be, willing and obedient. And you'll eat the good of the land. You'll eat the good of the land. Hallelujah. Somebody write it in the comments. I will eat the good of the land. Put it in the comment section. I will eat the good of the land. You need to write that and believe it. If you're going to be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah, in Jesus' mighty name, glory to God, I will eat the good of the land. That's God's desire for your life, for those that are willing and obedient, once you eat the good of the land. And so Paul, he disciplined his flesh, prayed in English, prayed in the Holy Ghost, was led by the Spirit, number three. Now let me give you four and five before I pray. Number four, very interesting passage. In, uh, go to second Timothy chapter four and verse 13. If you've been following my, my vlog episodes that I've been posting, I just posted the first two on YouTube. If you've not gotten a chance to see them, I put out a couple short vlog episodes, about six minutes, six, seven minutes. But on this last one, I was talking about making sure that you are, um, using your time wisely, using your time wisely. And I thought about the the apostle Paul who was imprisoned in Rome, but notice this letter he writes to Timothy. He said, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, but also the books and above all the parchments. Think about this, Paul was a man of study. Even from the beginning of his life, Paul was pegged, he was going to be one of the leading Pharisees in the Sanhedrin council. I mean, he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was extremely intelligent, he was a uh, hand-picked, he was a zealot. I mean, he was he had it, he had it all together. So number four is study to show yourself approved, study to show yourself approved. That's number four. If you want to be like Paul, if you want to emulate his impact, if you want to emulate his productivity, you've got to be a person of learning, a person of study. Anybody that knows me, if you know me personally, what's up, Luke? If you know me personally, one thing you've known that people say it about me all the time and my wife jokes about it, that. I can't rest. Like if I'm learning something new, I can't rest until I've learned it. If I'm learning a new uh, method or learning, getting tutorials on things, whatever, I'll stay up till five in the morning watching YouTube tutorials until I know inside and out everything there is to know about it. And I retain that knowledge. Why? Because I believe God has a purpose that, that he's using me to accomplish and I'm going to make sure I'm ready to accomplish it. I'm going to make sure that I'm ready to do it as God is pushing me forward into this new thing. And so I'm not going to be ignorant. I'm not going to be ignorant of the things I need to know. I'm going to be diligent and I'm going to learn what I need to know. And then of course, the study of the word, you've got to study the word of God every single day. Listen, if you're not reading the Bible on a daily basis right now, you need to come up with a plan of some some way shape or form that you'll be reading the word of God every single day. Make it a habit, make it a priority. Schedule it in your time in your day. Let me tell you that's the best way to make sure it gets done. Schedule it like you would schedule anything else and consider that appointment to be important. If you put the uh, checkup at the doctor's office on your calendar, you put meetings that you have at work on your calendar. Put reading the word of God on your calendar and make up your mind. I will not do anything else in this time until the word of God for the day is read and be specific, be specific. How many chapters do I want to read of the Bible each day? How much time am I going to spend reading the Bible each day? You, gotta, you need to spend at least 30 minutes. At least. I mean, no less. We give an hour to a Netflix show. Sometimes we'll give four hours to back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back, to back, to back shows on Netflix. You need to give yourself at least, at least 30 minutes a day to study the Word of God. How many chapters are you going to read? How long are you going to read the Word? See, and the reason I give you those two options, because there's days... That it's not about me really just reading as many chapters as I can. It's actually about me deep diving into uh, chapters of the Bible. You know, maybe tomorrow I'll do, I'll, on the broadcast, I'll show you how to do a deep dive on scripture like I do. If I want to get the most out of scripture, the most out of passages, try to see revelation that uh, God's going to show me. What are the steps? What are the steps that we take? What are the steps that we take? That might be a good broadcast for people to see and understand, uh, how to do a, a deep dive on scripture and really get, get the most out of it. But what I'm showing you is some days it's not about how many chapters you can read in a day. Some days it's about taking two or three chapters and really, really chewing on those chapters, getting the juice out. I mean, like, you know, it. it learning how to process the scripture, learning how to process what it is that you're going to do and understand from a, a passage, you know, what, what was, and, and, and we can get into this maybe, maybe tomorrow, you know what? I will do it tomorrow. I will do it tomorrow. Uh, so you won't want to miss tomorrow's broadcast because I'm going to show you how to do a deep dive into scripture and really pull the most. And by the way, I'm going to give you three tools, three, yep, three, three tools that I use every single day that help me to dive deep into scripture, three tools that I use every day. And I'll give you a fourth bonus tool as well, but you're not going to want to miss it. Three tools, every Pentecostal needs to have in their library. And then... Uh, I'll give you a fourth that's just kind of an online tool, but you got to have them. It will help you go so much deeper in the scripture, so much deeper. So that'll be tomorrow morning at 1030 a.m. I'm going to teach you that, how to do a deep dive into the scripture and get the most out of your Bible study time. So what are we dealing with today? How to be impactful like the Apostle Paul. Number one, you want to make sure you discipline the flesh. Number two, you want to make sure you pray in the Holy Ghost. Number three, you want to make sure you are led by the Spirit. Number four, you want to be a person of study of the Word of God. Number five, and I'm going to leave you with this one before I pray. Number five is interesting. Number five is this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is the final thing that I'm going to show you from Paul's life. And there's many other things we could look at. But I feel like if you'll follow just these main five that I'm showing you, you'll see increase exponentially. First Corinthians chapter two, Paul learned his lesson because even though he was a man of study and very intelligent, he learned he could not depend solely upon that to reach the people that needed to be reached with the gospel. He tried it in Athens, in the book of Acts. He tried to uh, debate people into the kingdom of God couldn't do it. He tried to philosophize people into the kingdom of God couldn't do it because the Bible. And then he learns his lesson. Says in Romans one, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is. So understand this. He learns it now. He tells the the Corinthian church exactly what he means. Look, he said, and when I came to you brothers. I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Notice he said, I could have, I could have used lofty speech. I'm smart. Could have used natural wisdom. I'm very intelligent, but I didn't. It's not what I did. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. Look at verse four and my speech and my message were not in the plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Oh, hallelujah. In the power of God. So what's, what is he, what distinction is Paul making? I'm not going to let you depend on human wisdom. I'm not going to try to debate you in. I'm not going to try to philosophize you in. I'm going to use the demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's what Paul said. I'm going to use the demonstration of the Spirit's power. The fifth thing, if you want to be like Paul, habit number five, depend upon the the, the manifestations and the demonstrations of the Holy Ghost and His power. Depend upon upon the power of God. Don't be, you know, don't be afraid or don't be ashamed to lay your hands on a sick friend. Don't be afraid to go out and win souls on the street. Don't be afraid to engage the power of God in your daily life. Depend on those manifestations. Depend on those demonstrations of God's power. You've studied, you've prayed, you've disciplined, you've prayed in the Holy Ghost, all these things, you're led by the Spirit, but now depend on the power of God, depend on the power of God, depend on the spirit of God to manifest himself. We've got to be supernatural people. If we're not supernatural people, we're missing out. We're missing out. And so we've got to be supernatural people. That's key. And so I want to encourage you now. I want to encourage you with this. Don't depend on your mind, depend on your spirit. You know, there's been times the Lord's asked me to pray for people I didn't even know in public. Now I can get all, well, I don't know that person, and they, they're gonna think I'm a nut job. It doesn't matter. I'm depending on the Holy Spirit and his power. Depending on his manifestations, his demonstrations. He's the leader, I'm the follower. Amen. He's the leader, I'm the follower. Somebody put it in the comments. Last thing. He's the leader. I'm the follower. Amen. I don't lead the Holy Ghost. He leads me. He leads me. He guides me. Amen. That's an important point, by the way. He leads me. He guides me. Thank you, Jesus. Don't depend on your mind. Depend on his spirit. Very important. And so these five things will help you as you are doing what God's called you to do. And I'm going to pray for you here at the end of this broadcast and ask the Lord to start to use you in a mighty way. Maybe you've not seen God really using you in a, in a mighty way. I'm going to ask God in the last three months of this year to use you in the same way that he used the apostle Paul to see people change supernaturally by the power of God. And then expect, expect demonstrations of the Holy ghost father in Jesus name. I pray for every man and woman that's watching and listening on the podcast I pray in Jesus' name that the mighty power of the Holy Ghost would come upon them from this day forward, Lord, as they do these five things and discipline their lives to live for you and to do what you've asked them to do. I pray doors would open for them, but Lord, demonstrate, manifest your spirit, manifest your power on their behalf. I pray you give them a new boldness, lay their hands on the sick, watch them recover. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would open doors for their ministries, their businesses, them personally. Let this be the greatest three months they've ever seen making impact for the kingdom of God. Let our friends come into the kingdom this year, our loved ones, our family members. Let them be saved. Use us in these final moments of time. We ask you, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name, we love you. We give you all the praise. If you believe it, throw some fire in the comment section today. And let me know you're standing with me and believe in God that it's coming to pass quickly in Jesus' name. Let me encourage you. We're getting ready to go on television all over the world. I've been talking with uh, one of our friends. He has a, a ministry that uh, really helps other ministries carry out their ministry media uh, calling. And uh, there's doors that are opening up that are supernatural. Not only are we going to start in phase one uh, on 80 million homes, three continents, phase two, 39 million more people. Phase three is really going to hit the, we're going to touch the world, literally 160 some, 180 some nations uh, where this broadcast will be available. You're sowing into a ministry that is touching the world. And so I want to encourage you today to stand with us and to sow a seed today. If you've not considered partnering with us, Prayerfully consider it today. I'm encouraging you. There's something you can do. You know, some things don't even take prayer. Some things don't even take prayer. I mean, you think about it. People go to work every day. Let's just consider this. If somebody went to work every day and they were a coffee lover, if they stopped at Starbucks every day on their way to work five days a week, four weeks a month, and spent, you know, the average $4 you know, a venti Starbucks latte is like four bucks, maybe more. If you spent four dollars every morning for five days a week, that's twenty dollars a week. That's eighty dollars a month. That didn't take prayer. You didn't pray, Lord. Should I get that Starbucks today? I'm asking you, should I get th-? $80 a month is a Starbucks a day every weekday. But let me ask you a question. Imagine what could happen if you stood with us at $85 a month for this ministry imagine the lives that would be changed. Imagine what would happen. Imagine what would happen around the world. If you would make a choice, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to stand up and see God change this generation by the power of the Holy Ghost. And that my friend is the power of partnership. That when we stand together, we can make an impact that the devil can't even begin to stop. And it's going to be powerful what God's going to do in these final moments of time. On top of that, you are blessed supernaturally. And so it's very easy to do. Just go to MiracleWord.com. MiracleWord.com. And you can partner with us right there on the site. You can give if you'd like to sow a one-time seed. You can use Cash App. You can use hashtag donate as Christina just did. You can use uh, PayPal, Venmo, however you'd like to sow. If you want to mail a check as some do to our ministry. All of our website pages have our mailing address at the very bottom. Any page you're on on the website has our address at the very bottom. And I want to say a big thank you. Coming towards what? The end of, of September now. We're getting ready to go into October. But for those of you that are sewing in September, we're sending you Bishop Rick's book, Speak to the Void, hardcover. He signed it for you as a, a blessing to those that are sowing $85 or more this month. If you're sewing $1,000 or more, we're going to be using the Life Application Study Bible in Genuine Leather and my brand new book, Further, Faster, Hardcover, Limited Edition. So what we're sending you is a gift to say thank you for sewing largely. And um, I'm excited because God's opening these doors, man, and we're running through. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Christina. Thank you to those that are sewing on the website, partnering with us, standing with us. We love you, man. We appreciate you. I'm going to be live again tonight, 7 o'clock. Uh, right here in Botkins, Ohio, word only believe ministries and, uh, God's moving, man. And then of course, Thursday night, going to be in, uh, Kenton, Ohio at that only believe campus. And then of course, next week, man, I'm pumped up Fitchburg mass. We're coming back to crossroads community church. Not going to want to miss those services. If you can get there, man, get there. It's going to be awesome. Um, by the way, if you don't know, I've got the new book on fasting and prayer coming out before the new year so that you guys will have plenty of time to get it in your hands. It's going to be a complete uh, guide to fasting, biblical fasting, not like this uh, you know, modern stuff people are doing where it's like, I, I fasted video games today, actual <laughs> biblical fasting. It's going to be everything you need to know. From the top to the bottom, every fast in the Bible, the reasons for fasting, the benefits, everything—how to fast, what is fasting, miracle testimonies of fasting—it's all going to be available uh, in this brand new book that's coming out uh, before the end of the year. So be ready for that. Be ready to get it. I'm excited to get it to you. Um, it's going to be really, really great. Uh, it's 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 needed. It's definitely needed. I just uh, just to kind of pique your interest. I just finished a chapter in the book entitled The Danger of the Daniel Fast. (laughs) The Danger of the Daniel Fast. You'll be wanting to read that one. Um, But it's going to be great. I'm very excited about it. And um, so I'll I'll let you know as soon as something's ready uh, for you to purchase ebook, paperback, we'll let you know. And then I'll, I'll, uh, for those of you that are connected with me on text message, but only for those on text, I'm going to be texting out a chapter sample of the upcoming book. So if you want to get in on that and you want to receive a sample chapter of this book as it's getting ready to come out, you got to be connected on text message. How do you do that? You go to miracleword.com forward slash text, miracleword.com forward slash text. Text. And if you sign up, be a part of our text message family, you'll get text from me. But that's where I'm going to deliver a sample chapter of the book that's coming out. Uh, we're not going to email it. We're not going to put it online. It's going to only be for those that are connected by text. I love you, man. Thanks for hanging. Uh, yeah, thank you, Brandon. I appreciate that. Thanks for hanging with me today. Don't forget, tomorrow, we're going to be teaching how to do a deep dive into Scripture, the three tools that you need to do it. Uh, that every Pentecostal needs in their library, how to get the most out of your Bible study. I love you, man. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight, live, 7 o'clock. I'll talk to you soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.